Hey, thanks for joining us today. I'm super excited about being back. I, I really appreciate CJ preaching graduation Sunday and Dan preaching last week. Both guys did a great job. Amen? Can we give it up for them? Appreciate. We got a great, great ministry staff. Uh, I think one of the best ever. And I just really appreciate these guys all can preach. And so when I'm gone, I don't even worry about it. It's, uh, I, it's just great to take a break. Last weekend, we were in Williamsburg, Virginia. Our, uh, we surprised our son who came back from uh, Djibouti, Africa. He's a major in the Marine Corps. He's a communications officer. And so we surprised him, but we also surprised our grandkids. They stayed at the Great Wolf Lodge. I did, we didn't. I'm cheaper than that. But what's so funny, our, our daughter-in-law invited us to come, and I really didn't want to go, but my wife, I mean, he is my wife's son, and, and, and you, it, all that goes along with it. And so we showed up at the Great Wolf Lodge, we were in the lobby, we were looking at the, uh, they have an indoor uh, wave park, and it was really cool. And so our grandkids come down, three of them, 17, 8, and 6, our, 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 young, our grandson, that grandson, who I just turned 7, uh, was celebrating his birthday, and we were sitting on these leather seats overlooking, and, and then their mom hadn't told them that we were going to be there, so it was a total surprise, and so they came down to get a picture of uh, them against the background of the water park, right? So I'm, we're sitting down there, and we start talking to them, and they don't even recognize us. <laughs> it took them about a minute. They were in such shock, and it was a super bonding experience, so I really, really appreciate the opportunity to get to be there with them. Now, what daughter-in-law would invite their in, her in-laws to see her, their son, who had been gone for four months, and share him with us? It was just super, super neat. So thank you very much. I, I appreciate the guys who step up and do that. That's above and beyond, and I really, really appreciate that. So today, if you're joining us online, we're starting, and if you're here in person, which you are, uh, we're starting a brand new series in the book of Daniel. I don't preach from the Old Testament very often because I just think time is of urgency, and since I've got limited time, I, I'm, I primarily stay in the New Testament, but I just feel called of God to preach out of Daniel. And if you're a, a prophecy junkie, you're really going to like it because I'm going to preach through the whole book and we're going to cover some prophecies. And so I think you'll like that. Now, have you ever felt out of place? Let me ask that question. Have you ever, ever felt out of place? Maybe if you're the oldest person at VBS like I was this last weekend. By the way, we had a great week. I'm about... 20, 25 years older than anybody else, and I'm doing recreation. Kind of feel out of place. Our son, my, I was invited one time by our friends to a Miranda Lambert con, uh, concert, and I'm kind of a closet country fan. If I'm not listening to Christian music, typically I'm listening to country. I like it. Kind of, kind of, I, I kind of like like that kind of vibe. And so we showed up, and and I, I mean. Miranda Lambert is a, a female Christian artist, and you know who shows up for Miranda? Females. So we, we were told we would have seats on the, on the floor. We didn't. We were in the mosh pit. And so, and we had people from our church sitting up in higher places. I got these tickets half price, so, you know, give me a break. And, and they were saying, I can't believe Chris is here. 
I can't believe Josh is here. And we were standing in our cowboy boots for about two hours worth of concerts with the Annie pistol or pistol Annie's and the whole nine yards. But anyway, out of place. Now, maybe you're a Cubs fan like me and you're in at a, a game and you're surrounded by drunk Cards fans. And maybe you feel out of place. You know why? Because you have to be drunk to be a Cardinals fan. <laughs> I'm just saying. Now, listen, sermon today is for two groups of people. Two groups of people. Those who are not following after God and need to surrender their lives to him. And second, for those who are following after God so they may have the courage to live for him. Two groups of people. Two separate identities. You see, because the culture always shifts and always will shift under your feet like tectonic plates around the earth. And when they collide, what happens? Earthquakes and tsunamis and devastation and disaster. And the question as we look at the book of Daniel that I want you to think about is this. How do I follow God in a godless culture? And I was talking to our first service today and they are of a certain age and they remember back when, when it was better. But culture has always resisted biblical Christianity. Always. And always will. Don't be surprised. Don't be dismayed. Don't be discouraged. We're in a spiritual battle. We're told that over and over again. It hasn't changed, nor will it, until Jesus comes again. Paul says in Romans 12, 2, he says this, Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you will discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I want you to focus on your mind, your decisions, the way you think, because it should be radically different than the culture that we live in and the world that we live in. Now, there are three responses to culture. The first one is to freak out. Oh, it's so awful. It isn't the way it used to be. Isn't it awful? Terrible. The sky is falling. And live in paranoia and fear. To freak out. Second is to blend in. As Christians, there's no distinctiveness. There's no uniqueness. There's no difference. And we just live like everybody else does in the culture. And we just accept whatever the culture says is right and what is wrong. But there is a third alternative, a third way of living. And this is what I want to propose to you, and this is the theme of Daniel. Live a life in the truth and the grace of God that is different and distinct from the culture. That is what Daniel does. That is what we should do in a winsome way. Now, some of you are young. And all you know is GPS. But before, years ago, they had this thing called a road map. A Rand McNally road map. And it was like that big. In fact, you could use it as a visor to protect your window from the heat during the summer. It was that big. Now, talk about distracted driving. We worry about texting and being on your cell phone. Try to... to uh, navigate with a map in your lap as you're driving down the highway. It's scary. It was scary. In fact, I can remember some conversations that went loud and angry 
as I was growing up and we're navigating and we can't find where we want to go. We are so spoiled today. In fact, I use two GPSs. I use my app on my phone, Waze, so I can navigate around different things, which I did last weekend. We went two different ways because there was construction and there were accidents on the way. And I also use a Garmin GPS on my dash. So I compare them as I go. Yes, I am spoiled, and I love it. The book of Daniel is a roadmap for how godly people cannot just survive but actually thrive within a godless culture. And that's what I believe you as a Christian is called to today, to thrive in a godless culture. Now, what's fascinating about Daniel is this. This is 70 years of his life. Israel is exiled. In fact, or Judah is exiled. Actually, it's the second time. And it goes through their whole time that they are exiled. 70 years. And, and what I love about Daniel is Daniel is one of those guys in Scripture that finished well. I've told you this before, but I want to repeat it, that only 20% of the people in the Bible finished well. I think it's even less today in our culture and in the church. I don't want to discourage you. I, that's just the reality of it. And so when public figures, Christian celebrities fail, don't be surprised. That has gone on forever. Now... I want you to relate to Daniel in a different way because most of you are not pastors. Most of you are not prophets. Most of you are not priests. You're called of God to be priests, but, but that's not your profession. Daniel was not a pastor, nor he, was he a priest, or was he a prophet. Actually, he was a, a, a government servant. That's what he was, a government servant, a civil servant. But, but Daniel knew that the goal for him was to have the Spirit of God alive and well within him and unapologetically live for God in a way that people would be curious about the gospel of grace. In a winsome way, so different, so, so unique, that, that people would be attracted to the Spirit of God that lived inside of him. Because Daniel was an ordinary person thrown into an extraordinary circumstance and and events that forced him to maintain his faith in God's truth characterized by God's grace. You see, Christians thrive in a godless culture. They set apart. They are different because of the Spirit of God living inside of them. So if you have your Bibles or tablets, or your phones, turn to Daniel chapter 1, verse 1. And in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Now, Jehoiakim was the 19th king since King David. And David was promised, the Lord promised him that there would always be a king of his lineage, of his descendants that would sit on the throne if they followed God. If they obeyed his commands and sought Yahweh God as their sovereign God. Now Israel had already been exiled and Judah was now going to be exiled. And you see this war that Nebuchadnezzar declares on Israel, on Jerusalem, was the war to say that my God is greater than your God. But it really wasn't about God. It was about the people of Israel who were not living for God. And look at verse 2. 
And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, Nebuchadnezzar's, with some of the vessels of the house of God. The vessels of the house of God would have included the Ark of the Covenant. And if you're reading through the Bible right now in 1 Kings, all the things that Solomon had apportioned to the service, the sacred and holy things. In fact, in this exile, Israel would never again have the Spirit of God like it was in the temple before this moment because they had walked away from God and practiced idolatry. They were far from God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, which is modern-day Iraq, which is Babylon, and to, to the house of his God and placed the vessels in the treasury of his God. This was an affront to everything Israel stood for. Now, why would God give Nebuchadnezzar permission to take over Israel? Because Nebuchadnezzar, you're going to see in the book of Daniel, is not a nice guy. He is way more evil than Israel ever was. Way more paranoid, way more bipolar. You're going to see that in this book. Why? Because Israel did not devote themselves to God. Did not follow and obey his commands. But that's what makes Daniel so fascinating. Look at verses 3 through 5. Then the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, youth without blemish, of good appearance, and skill, skillful in all wisdom. In, where, did I, where did I stop? Skillful in all wisdom. Okay, endowed with knowledge and understanding. Just know your pastor would have been one of those youths. We shouldn't have laughed. Teasing. Learning and competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them literature and the language of the Chaldeans. And the king assigned them a daily portion of food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank, and they were to be educated for three years. And at that end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Fascinating. Daniel was one of those young youths, either of nobility, selected. from. Th he was probably 13 to 15 years old. Very young. Can you? Some of you can't remember when you were 13 years old. For some of you, you are 13 years old. Can you be, imagine being placed in that environment, exiled from your home country? Everything was strange and different and alien. And I want you to see that Babylon is a metaphor that's going to go throughout this series. If you remember in Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel, where Nimrod and Israel at that time, the Jews at that time, were raising up a tower and, and they were going to become their own gods. And they had one single language, and that enabled them to work together to do that. And, and, and if you study that passage, you realize that man's towers will never reach God's heavens. Will never do that. And then God, God blew up the, the, the Tower of Babel and, and separated and changed languages and blew them all around the world. And that's why we have the different languages today. 
You see, that spirit of Babylon existed even then in Genesis 11, and it still exists today. And it will till kingdom come, till Jesus returns. Revelations 14.8 says it this way, Then another angel followed him through the sky, shouting, Babylon has fallen, the great city has fallen, because she has made all the nations of the world drink the wine of her passionate immorality. That spirit of Babylon is still alive today. Now, the city of Babylon, which is in Iraq today, modern-day Iraq, was conquered somewhere around 500 to 600 B.C., just after Daniel. But the spirit of Babylon exists today, and we are at war with it. Now, I want you to understand from this chapter in Daniel that there are four strategies that the spirit of Babylon uses. And the first one was separation. If you notice, Daniel and and his friends were separated from their home country, from their family, from their religion, from their God. Separation. I don't know if you've ever, any of you ever do anything dumb in in your lives? Now, I blame dumb people around me for the dumb things that I have done. Doesn't that sound good? Don't you do dumb things when you're with dumb people? When I was in Bible college, I was in a, a freshman, and a group of friends got together, and I borrowed a car. It was the original Dodge Charger. Original. Uh, two or three years old. A friend of mine loaned it to me. Boy, was he dumb. <laughs> so we loaded up in this car in Kimberland Heights Station, just southeast of Knoxville, Tennessee, and... We drove into town, did whatever we were going to do. I can't even remember. But then on the way back, somebody said, hey, have you ever driven the seven dips? And I said, no. And it was like seven dips of a roller coaster. But I, what I didn't know, and I had never driven it, that there was a little curve. Well, I just want you to know, you do dumb things when you're dumb people. And... Lo and behold, I was going pretty fast. I didn't have it pegged, but it was close. And I took the first three dips, but the, I didn't know there was a little turn in it. And at the last minute, I know I didn't turn. Or maybe I did it just not even realizing. And I think the Spirit of God saved my life that day. It saved our lives today. And I made that turn. That's a little, I didn't jerk it, I don't think. But it just kind of, it, it hugged the road and stayed on there. And, and, and. The, the group that was with me said, hey, that was fun. Let's do that again. <laughs> well, in that moment, I sweated through all my clothes. I had this cold chill and the hair in the back of my head when I had hair up on the back of my head. And I said, there's no way. Because I knew that it was by the grace of God I survived. A few weeks later, a few of the Bible college students did that again and, and they died. That's how close it was. You see, you walk like who you walk with. Young people, you walk like who you walk with. Old people, you walk like who you walk with. Show me your friends. I'll show you who you are. And, and, and let me just say this. I've heard this so many times. And when we were doing travel ball with our kids, reluctantly I was doing travel ball because, again, I'm cheap. But we were doing it. And they would say things like, well, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Let me tell you, sexually transmitted diseases follow you from wherever it is. And the choices that you make 
matter and they are destructive and they're harmful for your spiritual life, your physical life. There, there are things and people that I've counseled that have a lot of regrets because of being with dumb people and making dumb decisions. And remember this, that the Spirit of God is always working for the unification of God's people. I didn't say uniformity, I say unification because we may not all agree on the same things, but the main things we should agree on, the thus saith the Lord's, we should agree on. Because God's word is faithful and it is true and it's for our own good. And if you're online today and you haven't made it back to church yet, I want to invite you to come back. You see, because people always drift away from the people of faith before they drift away from faith. And if you're not made it back, I would encourage you because it's just not the same as being in this room. The worship that we, we engage in, the emotion that is felt in this room... Because we are here together. Because we are a community of faith. And this is a healthy, strong church by the grace of God. You can't experience that at home. Now, I I make fun, but hey, come and join us. It's time. So, realize the spirit of Babylon is life. Second strategy. Spirit of Babylon wants to destroy families. Destroy your family. The spirit of Babylon always attacks, is always on the attack. It always attacks healthy sexuality. And with the internet and with all, all the media stuff and social media platforms, it's just crazy. But the Bible has never changed and, and his word is still true. The only sex that should happen is between a husband and wife after they are married. That's it. And if you're single... And I would challenge you, if you've been sexually active and you're single, and that, that includes young people and old people, because the, the, the place that has the highest rate of sexually transmitted disease is in the Florida retirement villages. Go figure. Isn't that ridiculous? I challenge you, if you're single, to stay celibate. And if you haven't been, if you have been sexually active, I would challenge you to Take a year and be celibate and honor God and see what God would do in your life. And, and here's another way that the spirit of Babylon attacks. The idea that God made them male and female. We were sexually designed binary. There is only male and female. There's no confusion in the word of God. Understand that. The spirit of... Babylon wants to confuse children and young people. It's just crazy how harmful that is, that whole idea. Now, understand, Daniel was under the chief eunuch, Ashpenaz. And we don't know. We don't know if Daniel was forced to become a eunuch. That means to be castrated, to take away his male sexual organs. That wasn't uncommon when Babylon took over a country like Israel. We don't know that. Yeah, they were doing sex operations even then. Also, they would sacrifice their children to their gods, the god of Marduk or Baal. Child sacrifice was common. And we see that in the Old Testament. Moses, 
When Moses was born, what were they doing? They were casting the male children into the Nile River to honor their God, to to get rid of the Jews. Even then, we see it at Jesus' time. When Jesus was born, what did King Herod do? When when he found out he he was in Bethlehem, he killed all the male children, two and under. And we see it again in the book of Revelation where the dragon tries to kill the child. The spirit of Babylon wants to kill children. And, and the, fourth, the fourth way the spirit of Babylon always attacks is by the absence of fathers and the absence of men in, in lives. And today, we are suffering and children are suffering because there's not men, not fathers, not godly men in their lives. Man, it's hard to be a single parent. It's particularly hard to be a single mom. It is hard. But the absence of fathers, there's a father hunger in our culture. The third strategy that the spirit of Babylon uses is indoctrination. Indoctrination to immerse them into the culture. And again, look at Romans 12 too. The second part of this passage I want to emphasize. It says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing, notice, by testing, you will be able to discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That is what Daniel did. He followed God without compromise. Now, there's a battle in our minds, in our hearts, that the, the pressure of the world tries to form us. And the Greek word here is conform to mold, to, that everything is trying to press you into that mold. And how do we do that? By being transformed by the renewal of our minds in Christ. Now this term, there's a term in culture today, it's called choice architecture. I don't know if you're familiar or not. I know you've experienced it because you hear it all the time. If you see it, you will be aware of it. And, and, and choice architecture is the way options or information you are given influences what gets selected and what doesn't and even how people feel about their choice. It's forcing choices like this. Do you affirm the alternate lifestyle or are you intolerant? That's choice architecture. Well, we can love people that are far from God, but we don't have to condone their sin. We can love them and not affirm their choice. The other, here's another example. Are you a socialist or are you a racist? It's fascinating to me that people forget history, that socialism and communism were some of the chief governmental systems that practice and still practice genocide, like in North Korea today, and gulags in Siberia today, or in China today. Still happening. And we want to say that's racism? That isn't racism, I should say. Come on. Look at your history books. Study a little bit. Can you be a benevolent capitalist and not racist and love and respect people of all nationalities and all colors because they are intrinsically made by God and have a purpose and God has a plan for their lives? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. These are a few of the idea of choice architecture that we are being bombarded with daily. Fourth strategy of the spirit of Babylon. Repetition through reinforcement. Repetition through reinforcement. Joseph Goebbels said this. He was the leader or minister of Nazi propaganda in World War II. He said, repeat a lie often enough and it will become the truth. Repeat a lie often enough and it will become the truth. Isn't that scary? Notice in Daniel verse uh, 1, verse 7, it says, And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel, he called Bel- Belshazzar. Hananiah, he called him Shadrach. Meshach, he called him Meshach. And Azariah, he called Abednego. Now, if you know anything about Hebrew and Babylonian names, which you probably aren't experts in, I would say, probably don't speak Babylonian, but here's what they mean. Daniel in Hebrew means God is my judge. Yahweh is my judge. Belshazzar in the Babylonian is treasure of Bel or Marduk. Do you see what they did? They changed it from Yahweh, Hebrew God, to the Babylonian God. What? Hananiah, Hebrew, God is gracious. Shadrach, his name was changed to. Under the command of Aku, which was the god of the moon. Notice what they did? Twisted it. Mishael, Hebrew, there is no one like God. Meshach, Babylonian, there is none like Aku, the moon god. Azariah, God is my helper. Abednego, servant of Nebo, the Babylonian god of wisdom. Every time their name was said in the Babylonian language... They were being challenged. Their faith was being challenged. They were immersed and being conformed to the nature of that spirit of Babylon. Now, what, what, what's amazing to me is that Daniel, in the book of Daniel, never refers to himself by his Babylonian name, only by Daniel. And, and, uh, uh, there are some scholars that debate the history and the time frame uh, or the chrono- 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 chronological placement of Daniel in history. But in 1948, the Dead Sea Scrolls in the Qumran community validate the book of Daniel. Word for word, it's there. And what's fascinating about it, they thought that the scribes had intentional or had mis- accidentally misspelled Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Belshazzar in the book of Daniel? No. When Daniel wrote it, he wrote it with those misspelled intentionally. Why? Because there's just a little bit of rebel in Daniel. Isn't that fascinating? So why did this cultural engineering project fail? Why did that not work on these young 13 to 15 year olds notice in verses 8 and 9 he says but Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank therefore he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself and God gave Daniel favor and and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs you see Daniel resolved 
He made a decision. He made a decision at 13 to 15 years old. He would not defile himself with the king's food. He would not be immoral. He would live for God in a foreign land no matter what it took. And if you're a 13 to 15 year old, that's the kind of decision you need to make today. Before you ever get in that position. If you're older than that, you need to resolve now. The question is, what about your resolve? How strong is it? When things are fed to you in social media, when things are fed to you through your television, through your streaming service, when, when your friends are surrounding you, have you already made up your mind and the decision you're going to make? Or are you going to compromise? Are you going to blend in? And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who assigned your food and your drink, for why should he see that you were in worse condition than the youths who were of your own age, so you would endanger my head with the king? Now here, here was the real deal. Ashpenaz knew that if he ticked off King Nebuchadnezzar, it wasn't going to be a slap on the wrist. It wasn't going to say... You know, that's okay. You'll be okay. There won't be any accountability. No. Ashpenaz knew his head would be taken off. But Daniel went to him winsomely, with respect, courteously, to the person that was overseeing him. And then he says this. He says, test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. This was Daniel's appeal. Respectfully, kindly. He said, give, a, give us a test. Now, listen, if you've Daniel fasted with me, in January, you know that that diet is awful. You're not going to gain any weight. This was a supernatural intervention. Look, look at what happens. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for 10 days. And at the end of 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. This was supernatural. This was a miracle. So the steward took away their food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. Vegans. Can you believe that? Now, I wouldn't recommend the diet, but Daniel did it so he would not defile himself. So he would honor his God, the God of all gods. And notice verse 17. Says, and as for these youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. That's going to be important as we go through Daniel. And at the end of time, when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king spoke with them, and among all of them, none was like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they stood before the king, and in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them, what? Ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. Did God favor them for them being faithful? Absolutely. You see, the whole book of Daniel hinges on this one thing. Daniel decided who he was going to be. Who he was going to serve. 
Folks, there's going to be times in your life, critical moments, where your decision is, am I going to follow God or the spirit of Babylon? Two takeaways today. First of all, God is in control of who is in control. God is in control of who is in control. We don't need to be paranoid, even though we're surrounded by lions. Whatever the political environment, culture environment, God is in control. He is sovereign overall. And number two, recognize this, that God still loves Babylon, even though Babylon does not love God. Nor does Babylon acknowledge God. My challenge, like I said, this sermon is for you. For you who are living and called to be a Christian, to live Christ-like lives without compromise. And for you that don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, who this is a foreign language that I'm speaking, and this sounds so radical, it's just the Word of God. It's just the Word of God. And, and, and the Holy Spirit is knocking at the door of your heart to accept Jesus, Lord and Savior of your life. You know, that happens all the time around here. And it's a miracle. It's the greatest miracle that there ever was. It's how a gracious God could call a human being sinful and far from him and bring him in to the family of God. That is a miracle. Only by God's grace do we see that. And God is doing that work here among us. It's so cool. It is so exciting. And I hope you will join us. Will you please stand as I pray? Eternal God and Father, we are so grateful for this time. And Father, we're thankful for your grace. And Father, we just need to be aware. Our heads need to be on a swivel that we might, might see the spirit of Babylon and the strategies that are coming against us. And Father, we pray that we might stand by your spirit and through your grace in a winsome way that others might know Christ, that we might live without compromise like Daniel. And Father, even though we're surrounded by lions, Father, give us the faith and the grace to live courageously. Father, for those that you are knocking at the door of their heart, Father, that you're knocking at the door of their heart because they're not living right by you. And they, they know that they know that they're not living in faith, that they're compromised, they blended in. Father, I pray you'd call them out and that, Father, you'd give them the grace and the ability to, to no longer blend, but to, to be different, to be what you called them to be. And, Father, for those, again, that don't know you, that they would come to a saving faith in your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we just pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you come this morning?